Uh, good morning. How are y'all? I know everyone probably like walked in this morning and was very discombobulated with the way things are going. Pastor's not here. The twins aren't here. Like we're missing kids everywhere. Nathan's not here to tell us how to take care of our lawns and wrap that into a spiritual lesson. Um, so it's interesting. I just made the connection this morning that what I'm going to talk about today actually kind of goes with this whole disruption of our normal uh, flow of things. Uh, just for everyone's information, Cammie's sick, Justice is taking care of kids, and Cammie, obviously, and trying to keep the kids from burning the house down. So he's at home. Jesse McBride would normally take over for him in this case. Um, he's also under the weather, so you get me with 24 hours notice. This is going to be fun, okay? Woohoo! Um, go, just go with it. It'll be fine. Uh, for those of you that don't know me, my name's LaShawn Williams. I am the children's ministry director here, and um, I'm glad you've joined us today, whether you're online or in person, either one. We're happy to have you. Uh, there's no sermon today, okay? I don't do sermons. I'm not a preacher. Um, it's basically just a woman thinking out loud with you guys. That's what I do, okay? So that's what we're going to do. This is uh, just the stuff that God's been talking to me. You know, normally here, we take a book of the Bible, we preach verse by verse. We feel like that's the most biblically sound way to bring the word for the most part. Every once in a while, we'll have a one-off and talk about a topic. And um, so next week, Lord willing, justice will be back. We'll be back in the book of John. It'll be great. Uh, so we're just going to go with this today. Um, I ask for grace and mercy. Like I said, I had 24 hours notice to get this ready, and um, that's not how I usually like to do things. So it's all good. So when God wants to get my attention with something, he usually has to be really obvious. Like I need to be bombarded from a lot of different directions, and then eventually I'll break through the fog and go, oh, you know, I think God might be trying to tell me something. So that's what today is. Um, so first, let's pray for our time together, and then we'll dive in. Father, I just thank you so much for the people who braved the cold to be here this morning, God, um, and that you have provided a warm building for us to meet together and to uh, just seek you and um, seek a deeper relationship with you and with each other and um, just have that within community with each other. God, we pray blessings over Justice and Cammie and their kids, that you would restore health, and for Jesse, that you would restore health and um, that everyone would... Um, be able to come back and meet with us again because it's just, just not the same when they're not here. God, I ask that you would guard my heart, guard my words, and um, just ha have your way here today. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so we're in January, right? It's getting close to the end of January, but it's still, you know, January is like that time of year where everybody at least gives a fleeting thought to their lives. Maybe you're not a resolution maker. Maybe it's not that big of a deal to you, but pretty much everybody goes, hmm, Let's take a little bit of an audit of our lives. Maybe you're the type of person that takes an audit of your life and you're like, dang, I'm killing it. This is awesome. I'm doing great. Everything's going swimmingly. Maybe you're like me. Take an audit of your life and you just sit there and go, wow. <laughs> wow, we really are a hot mess on a stick. We, we, we've got some work to do. And that's not to be self-deprecating. I really do feel like a hot mess 90% of the time. Like This is the most put together you'll ever see me. Here, like, this involved a lot of effort. I even went home once and had to change. There was a wardrobe malfunction. I'm just being honest here. So last week, I was driving in New Orleans, and I was going to the airport to pick up. Chase and Evan had been in Texas visiting family, 
and friends, so I was going to pick them up. I was listening to a podcast, it's the Jamie Ivey podcast, if anyone's wondering, highly recommend it. She had a guest on, his name was, I have to read it because he has a very interesting two-word last name. His name is Justin Whitmill Early. He's a lawyer, he used to be a missionary in China and felt called to go to law school, really cool story. And she had him on there, and his, side note, he's written two books, and I'm going to reference some stuff from his books. Uh, his book is called The Common Rule, and the other one is Habits of the Household. Um, as soon as I was able, I downloaded the samples of both books onto my Kindle, and I've read the samples of both books, and I'm halfway through uh, The Common Rule. Can't recommend them enough. They're really good. Anyways, I'm sitting in traffic on I-10, bumper to bumper, as it is, and he said a quote that made me want to like whip across three, three lanes of traffic and pull off so I could write it down because I was afraid I would never find it again. Thankfully, my squirrel brain remembered that I can do voice memos on my phone. So I made a voice memo. And here's the quote, and this is where we're going today. Habits are ordinary liturgies that are leading you in paths of worship. So it's habits are ordinary liturgies that are leading you in paths of worship. So after hearing that quote last week, I've gone down so many rabbit holes on habits and liturgies and just how these all tie together. Some of you may know that I have recently decided to go back to school and finish my degree. Um, my major is psychology. My hope is to become a counselor. So my brain started just latching onto these ideas of habits and liturgies and how these work out in our faith. Um, so I could ramble for a while. I'm really good at rambling. But I'm going to try to stay on track for this one way. So before we get into it, we have to kind of define a few things, right? So we have to decide what is a habit. I know that may seem very self-explanatory, but I think a lot of us give habits a negative connotation. Habits are always things like smoking or picking our nails or things like that. We don't necessarily think of habits as a good thing. But the truth is habits can be a very good thing. I would define a habit as something I do without thinking, right? And that is part of it. The dictionary defines habit as a settled or regular tendency or practice, especially one that is hard to give up. So true habits become so ingrained in our brains that we no longer consciously think about them. We just do them. A study from Duke University suggested that 40% of our daily actions are not products of choice, they're habit. It's almost half of your daily actions are on autopilot. You just do them. You don't think about them. So once a habit is formed, the brain stops fully participating in the decision making. So our brains are really good at conserving energy, right? So once something has become so ingrained, they just move that to the unconscious so that your conscious brain can deal with other stuff. Now you can see how this could become a problem if you have a bad habit. Once it's so ingrained, like, you don't even think about it. Now, you might think about it when you're halfway through it, going, why am I doing this? But the initiating of it, you just do it. You don't even think about it. Now, it can be a really good thing for your good habits, right? You don't have to think about it. You just do it. So back to the quote. Habits are ordinary liturgies that are leading you in paths of worship. So what's a liturgy? So up until last week, I would have said that a liturgy is a formal church service. Like to me, I'm thinking Catholic or Church of England, like very formal, lots of dudes in big hats and incense and 
people standing up and sitting down and saying things together, that's what I would like think of liturgy. And that is a liturgical service. It is a liturgy. But that's not all that a liturgy is. Liturgies, simply defined, are a predetermined or prescribed set of rituals. So liturgies are patterns. They're the patterns by which we live. So we have a liturgical pattern here, right? It got so disrupted today, but we have a liturgical pattern here, right? We have a call to worship. That usually involves Darren screaming at y'all to come in, right? We have a call to worship. We have a worship, a singing worship service. We dismiss kids. Nathan usually does announcements. We have a message. He blesses us. We go home, and if you're like me, you take a nap. That's a liturgy, right? This morning it got real messed up, okay? Because everything seems weird, but we're going to go with it anyway. So we always think of liturgies in a religious aspect. But we all, whether religious or not, live according to regimented liturgical habits. We just don't always know what they are. So habits become the ordinary liturgies or the patterns that lead us to worship. The question is, what are you worshiping with those habits and with those liturgical habits? If I were to ask you what worship is, I can almost guarantee you that most everyone in here would say some form of singing, music, right? And you'd be right, that is worship, but that's not all that worship is, right? Worship is everything that we do or say. We're called to worship with our whole lives, right? So we worship with our words, we worship with our actions, we worship with our money, we worship with our habits. So our habits can lead us to worship Jesus, or they can lead us to worship ourselves. They can lead us to worship money, or fame, or recognition, or the culture. Our habits can lead us to worship a lot of things. So I would argue that habits are worship. Your habits are not neutral. There's no such thing as a neutral habit. It's either doing you good, doing you harm. It's either drawing you closer to Jesus, it's drawing you farther away from Jesus. So in the book of John, the very first question that Jesus asks is, what are you seeking? The very last question in the book of John that Jesus asks is, do you love me? I believe that our habits show what we're seeking and who we love. You are what you love, but you might not love what you think you do. So if I was to ask everyone in here, what are you seeking and who do you love? Guys, the kids upstairs could answer the good church answer, right? Jesus, yay, that's their favorite thing. You could ask them if, what color the sky is. They're going to say Jesus, yep, good, good answer. And we would mean it. We would logically and in our, our want, our desire is that we want to want Jesus. We want to seek Jesus. We want to love Jesus, but do we? The deepest part of you, which the Bible calls your heart, might often reveal that you're not as on track as you think you are. So the beautifully, it's a beautiful heartbreak. But the reality is, is that apart from Christ, you're always going to fall short on this. You're always going to fall short on loving God. You're always going to fall short on seeking him. But we can follow the example of Christ, and we can begin to interrupt our habits and redeem our rituals so that they lead us closer to God. 
So in Luke 4.16, speaking of Jesus, it says, And he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And as was his custom, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, and he stood up to read, as was his custom. In Hebrews 10.25, we see a similar phrase, but kind of flipped. This is not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. So when it says that as was his custom, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day. This was his habit. This was his ritual. He, Jesus went to Sabbath on, or went to synagogue on Sabbath and stood up to read. This was his habit. This was his custom. The word there in the Greek is the word etho. So in Hebrews, it's actually warning us to not be like the people who have come have the habit of not meeting together. We're to follow Jesus' example of meeting together, not the habit of those that don't. So this word etho. Have you ever heard of someone talk about their ethos? Like a lot of businesses will use this wording to like describe like their mission statement. Like this is the ethos of our company, right? And ethos is simply the beliefs that you operate from. So that Greek word, etho, basically means habit. So Jesus went to synagogue on the Sabbath because it was his ethos. That was his habit or his custom. So if we follow Jesus' customs and habits, his ethos, we can begin to disrupt our own unhelpful habits, right? So another way Jesus modeled this is the habit of confession. I find this interesting. Jesus didn't have anything to confess of. Jesus never sinned. He had no need of confession. But he modeled it for us when he gave us the Lord's Prayer. Forgive those that trespass against us. Forgive me when I trespass against others and you. He gives us this in the Lord's Prayer, right? It's the confession. This interrupts our self-centered thinking. If you're really saying the Lord's Prayer... And really listening to the words, it should interrupt your thoughts of, wow, maybe I'm not where I need to be. Maybe I do need to go apologize to this person and ask them to forgive me. It kind of disrupts that self-centered moment. Acknowledging the need to be forgiven. Reorienting our heart's desires to the things of God above our own heart's desires. And if you caught it, the Lord's Prayer is a liturgy. We often say it together in large corporate gatherings. We stand up, we recite it together. That's a liturgy. There's a prayer in the Anglican Book of Common Prayer, which is uh, just a book that the Anglican Church uses for their liturgical services. There's parts that priests will say. There's parts that the congregation will say. But there's this really beautiful prayer that would normally be read by the whole congregation that I want to read. It says, Almighty and Most Merciful Father, we have erred and strayed from thy ways like lost sheep. We have followed too much the devices and desires of our own hearts. We have offended against the, thy holy laws. We have left undone those things which we ought to have done, and we have done those things we ought not to have done. And there is no health in us. But thou, O Lord, have mercy upon us, miserable offenders. Spare thou, the, oh, excuse me, spare thou those who are penitent, according to thy promises declared unto mankind in Christ Jesus our Lord. And grant, O most merciful Father, for his sake, 
that we may hereafter live a godly, righteous, and sober life to the glory of thy holy name. So it says we have followed too much the devices and desires of our own hearts. Our own hearts lie to us. They tell us to believe to chase after things or that we desire things that we, we if we sit and think about, I don't want to desire those things, right? So this is a way to interrupt that habit. Another example that we can follow of Jesus is in Scripture we often see that he goes and removes himself to pray. Sometimes he goes by himself. Sometimes he takes a couple of people with him. But he often removes himself to pray. In Luke 5.16, we're actually going to read 15 and 16 of Luke 5. It says, But now, even more the report of him went abroad, and great crowds gathered to hear him and to be healed of their infirmities. But he would withdraw to desolate places and pray. He would withdraw to desolate places and pray. So the Greek structure of this verse would actually more correctly mean he continually withdrew himself to pray. This was his habit. This was something he did often and continually. It's not just a one-time thing. So even amongst increasing demands, these people are coming to be healed. These people are coming to learn. These people are just coming to be in his presence. These are good things. It's good things for him to heal people. It's good things for him to teach people. It's good things for him to be in the presence of people. But it's not always beneficial for him and his relationship with the Father to neglect his prayer life in order to heal and be with the people. So we can say, sometimes we have to say no to things that are good. Maybe we're already stretched so thin that when someone asks if we would help lead a small group, maybe we have to say no. Maybe we have to say, mm, I just, man, it's going to really just butt into, you know, my prayer life or my walk with Christ. I really just need to say no to this. It's a good thing to lead a small group, right? But maybe you need to say no. So how many of us would say that we don't have time to sit in prayer, or at least we act like we don't have time to sit in prayer? It's an honest question. I'm not talking about, like, the Bible tells you to pray continually. I mean, we all do the little, I call them the throw-up prayers, where we're just like, God, make this traffic move. God, don't let me kill him. Uh, you know, just those little prayers that we say throughout the day, which are good things. It's good for us to be in continual communication with God. But how many of us would say that we actually have a dedicated time that we actually sit in prayer and sit in communion with God? Most of us would say we don't have time, but the truth is we really do. There's not a person in here that doesn't have time. Because if you don't have time, you probably need to get rid of something else in your life. Sometimes it means saying no to something that's really important, even if it's ministry. Maybe you just need to get your butt up earlier. Just throwing that out there. Maybe you need to spend your lunch break in prayer while you eat instead of scrolling social media. So let's get practical. Um, so many times we think of habits, especially in, we do it in our spiritual lives and in our real life, in these big chunks. So first of the year, new year, new me. I'm going to lose 40 pounds by February. Yeah. I'm going to read my Bible an hour a day when I have not read a whole hour's worth of the Bible in the last year. 
it's not going to work, right? You're just setting yourself up for failure. So there's these things called micro habits or micro shifts where you make small changes. And over, the over time, those small changes add up to big changes, right? Logically, we know this, but we don't treat things that way. There's also this concept called piggyback habits. Um, a lot of therapists use this. So here's an example of how a piggyback habit works. It's you're taking a habit you already have, and you're just going to piggyback something else on top of it. So there's a lady who is supposed to take her medicine every single morning as soon as she gets up. She forgets all the time. Doesn't matter where she puts the medicine. She'll ignore reminders on her phone. She has a really hard time remembering to take her medicine. However, this same woman feels completely naked without her watch. Like leaving her house for, to go to work without her watch on would be like her forgetting to put pants on. Like it's that ingrained in her that she puts her watch on before she leaves her house. So the therapist suggested, put your medicine right by your watch, and when you go to grab your watch, interrupt yourself and say, mm, I'm supposed to take that medicine. Don't put your watch on until you take that medicine. So the other way that this helps her is because she also was the type of person that she would be halfway through her day and go, did I take my medicine today? I can't remember if I took it or not. Now all she has to do is look at her wrist. If her watch is on, she took her medicine. So it's small shifts that you can do to create these habits, right? So maybe you always grab your phone first thing in the morning. Instead of just saying, I'm not going to grab my phone this morning, because you're going to, it's a habit, you're going to do it. Maybe you put a lock screen on your phone that says, hey, dummy, put your phone down. So as soon as it lights up, you go, oh, yeah, I said I wasn't going to grab my phone this morning. <laughs> I forgot. You're interrupting your bad habits. You're making your conscious brain think about what you're doing. Or maybe you have a bad habit of yelling at your kids, right? Let's say your default parenting style is your voice gets loud. I may or may not be talking to myself, okay? Uh, if your default is that your voice gets loud, maybe instead of saying, I'm not gonna yell, because you're not gonna go from a raving lunatic to Mary Poppins in one day. It's not gonna happen. So maybe instead you say, every time I feel myself going to the yelling place, I'm gonna pray. Maybe I even tell my kids, hey, if I start yelling at you, ask me if I, if I prayed first. If I say yes, that's all that needs to come out of your mouth, okay? I already prayed about it, me and Jesus are good, okay? Don't keep going. All right, but pray first. And I'm not talking it has to be this five-minute long prayer. I'm talking you've got kids tearing down your house upstairs, and you've got from the time you hit those stairs until you get to them, you're either going to snatch them bald-headed or you're going to pray and say, God, today's not the day. Today's not the day that I want to go to jail. Please help me. Maybe that's all it takes. You're interrupting your pattern. Soon enough, that will become a habit. It'll become ingrained in you that you pray before you discipline. So there's also this concept called priming. You can prime your environment. This works negative and positive ways. The negative, again, I don't know if you guys can tell, but I like food. Like, I, I talk about food a lot. So this, this one gets me. Let's say you've decided, I'm going to meal prep this week. I'm going to have all my meals cooked. They're going to be in little containers. All I have to do is grab it. Don't have to think about it. It's great. My macros are on point. This is great, right? 
And then somebody turns on the TV to Food Network. And they're making something that looks really good. And instead of turning the channel, you're like, I'm gonna sit here because you know, someday I might wanna make this. I'm gonna watch them make it. Oh, that looks really good. You've watched a couple episodes of things. You've already primed your brain to be thinking about food. And then your spouse, who's not following the same meal plan as you, comes in with this really decadent food from like your favorite restaurant, let's say. First off, that's rude. But second off, <laughs> you've already primed your brain to want to just grab that food without thinking. You've, you've just set yourself up for a cheat day. And you'll tell yourself, oh, it's just this cheat meal. I'll get back on plan tomorrow. No, no, probably not. So you've got to interrupt these habits, right? Your deepest desire wins out. But we can use the same concept to prime our environment for good habits. So my daily routine on weekdays typically, occasionally it varies, but it's pretty habit. My alarm goes off, I go to the bathroom, I go start coffee, cause coffee, and I scoop the litter box, I let out dogs, I grab my coffee, I sit in my recliner, and I scroll social media. Real life, hi. I would love to say that, you know, I spend a lot of time in prayer, and no, I scroll social media. So what if, instead of trying to disrupt my whole routine, at night I just place my Bible right on my recliner that I sit in every morning? And so when I sit down with my coffee, to scroll on my phone, I literally sit on my Bible. A little hard to ignore that. A little hard to like not go, oh, that's right. I'm supposed to be reading my Bible right now and not scrolling my phone. It can be as simple as that. And pretty soon, it becomes a habit that I read before I grab my phone. We've got to interrupt our bad habits. So what if I have a tendency to lose my cool while driving, and say a lot of words that aren't in the Bible, maybe. Maybe, instead of saying, I'm just going to not do that anymore, maybe I post scripture in my car, something like, from the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. How would that interrupt my habit of using my words unwisely? So this week, we're entering our week of church-wide fasting, feels like a good time to maybe interrupt some habits. It's a good week. So Darren already mentioned that <clears throat> he and I have challenged each other to stay off social media this week. Um, I already deleted all my social media off my phone this morning. Um, but now, like every time I go to grab my phone, because it's habit, and go to, you know, we all know, our fingers know exactly where those buttons are, right? Those fingers just go there. You ever been going to do something on your phone and your finger just hits Instagram? And you're like, I wasn't even getting on for that. What it, why? But now, every time I go to hit that button and it's not there, it's going to remind me, oh, yeah, we need to pray. We need, we need to take a minute because this is not what we're supposed to be doing this week. Maybe there's something else in your life that you can use this week as a very focused week to change that or to start to change that. It's not going to happen overnight, right? So I was going to think of a couple of ideas of how we could curate our lives or how we could 
um, come up with some things that we just start adding into our days um, to maybe disrupt some of our bad habits. And instead of reinventing the wheel, I just decided to use some of the ideas from Justin Early, the guy that I mentioned earlier. These are his common rules for his life. These are things he does every day or every week. And I think they can give us a good idea of what I'm talking about, of like what, I'm, what I mean when I say disrupt your lives. So the very first thing he does, his very first rule is kneeling prayer, morning, midday, and evening. So this means the very first thing he does when he rolls out of bed in the morning is hit his knees. He may be foggy. He said there's something about getting uncomfortable first thing in the morning after getting out of your cozy bed to wake you up and orient your day. Getting uncomfortable on the floor, it's cold, my knees hurt, it's hard to get up, you know, these things. He does this at midday, now he's a lawyer. So he says that he can't always physically hit his knees in the middle of the day, you know, it'd be a little weird if you're like, pause, thank you, you know. So he'll say something as simple as, I'll turn my hands up on my lap and close my eyes for 30 seconds and reorient my day. And then he does the same thing in the evening. The other one is scripture before phone. In this day and age, I think it's so easy to say, well, yeah, I'm going to read it, but I'm going to read it on the Bible app. Okay, but if you have your phone in your hand and you're on the Bible app and you get that Snapchat notification, are you really going to ignore that notification? Are you going to click it? You're probably going to click it. And then an hour later, you've gone down that rabbit hole, right? And you're like, I, I don't even know where I was. Okay. So, scripture before phone. One meal a day with others. Doesn't have to be anything fancy. Could be just asking someone to eat lunch with you. Or, you know, making sure that your family sits down at least one, one time a day and has a meal together. This one is, this one. One hour a day with your phone off. Now, a lot of us have do not disturb notifications on, turned off to where, you know, like mine goes to do not disturb at eight o'clock at night where the only people that can text me or call me are my kids, my husband, like my parents. Like if it's important, you can get a hold of me, but otherwise no notifications. That's great. But with your phone off, you can't just go, I'm just gonna check something real quick. Just real quick, it's fine. I'm, I'm just gonna look at the weather. And then you end up down that rabbit hole. So I'm gonna show you guys a trick, okay? Did you know this little button right here? If you hold it for like a really long time, your phone's gonna freak out. Calm down, it's okay. Phone's gonna freak out and you have two options. You can either call 911, there's an emergency, there's the only reason I would be doing this, right? There's an emergency. Or you can turn your phone off. I know, I know, not many of us know where that button is. Turn your phone off for an hour a day. Just pick an hour, an hour a day. That's, that's hard. You know, there used to be a time when we would go a whole day not being near a phone. If, if someone didn't know where you were, they couldn't get a hold of you. And the world kept turning. Go figure. We've gotten to where we think we have to be immediately available to people all the time, and you don't have to be. It's a lie. Some of his weekly habits are weekly, he has a one-hour conversation with a friend. He either calls a friend, has lunch with a friend, something, deep conversation for one hour a week. Curate your media. 
Now, we've talked about social media because it, it is pretty prevalent now, but I'm not just talking about social media. In fact, I'm going to step away from the Bible over here. I'm not going to make eye contact with anybody in this room because I don't want anyone to think they're being called out. Some of y'all need to turn off the news. Some of y'all need to turn it off. How much stronger would our witness be as Christians if we weren't always so riled up about everything? If we weren't always ready to fight somebody because they didn't agree with me about something, how much stronger would our witness be if we weren't always mad and using our social media to tell everybody that we're mad? How much calmer would we be if we weren't listening to it anymore? You can browse some headlines real quick and be totally caught up with the news of the day. This 24-hour news cycle that we're on now isn't healthy or good for anybody. Turn it off. Okay, back to the bottom. That's just my opinion. Fast from something for 24 hours. So every week, he picks a 24-hour period where he fasts from something. Sometimes it's food. Sometimes it's just something that's got a hold of his life. It's a really good way to monitor yourself every week. What habits are creeping in that I need to get rid of? This is a really good way to do that. And then his last weekly rule is he observes a Sabbath every week. Um, this doesn't have to be a, okay, this day of the week, we're not going anywhere, we're not doing anything, we're not turning the oven on. Like, this isn't Orthodox Judaism where we can't spark fire and we can't, you know, do all of these things. This is a day of intentional rest and reset. Maybe that's Sunday for you. Maybe you go home from church, you take a nap, you have a leisurely rest of your day. That can be your Sabbath. Maybe your Sabbath is another day of the week. Maybe your Sabbath is just every Thursday night, we're going to have a slow meal and enjoy each other. Maybe that's your Sabbath. Just whatever, whatever thing makes sense for your life. The whole point of these is not to become legalistic. It's to draw you closer to God. It's to interrupt your habits that aren't doing you any good. They're just leading to burnout. So many people, they're leading to burnout. They're leading to depression. Our anxiety is through the roof, and we wonder why. Maybe it's because we're so wrapped up in the news and the world that we're missing that connection in order to reorient our habits and our hearts and our rituals to be focused around Christ. Again, I'm just like thinking out loud because I know I need so much help in this area. So as we close, I want to pray for us, but I want to remind everyone that as we enter this time of churchwide fasting, and prayer to not only pray for the thing that you're fasting from and that you're praying about and for, but I want you to pray for each other. Pray for your brothers and sisters that are also giving up things. Pray that they would have endurance in those things and that, that as they withhold something from themselves, that it's reorienting their heart towards God. Because look, I can get rid of social media just because I'm getting rid of social media, right? If it doesn't change anything in what I'm orienting my heart to, 
there was no point. Like it should be, I'm giving up social media because I want to be reminded of who I'm supposed to be seeking and who I love every time that that social media habit kicks in, right? So it's not fasting just for the sake of fasting and to be like, oh, look at me. I went all week without having any sweets. Great, but did it do anything for you? Did every time you get a sweet tooth, you remember, oh, I need to pray? Or did you just give yourself a gold star because you didn't have any sweets all week? It's not what it's about. It's not the point. That's just a diet. It's not a fast. There's a difference. So I want to pray for us real quick. I'm going to read this prayer over us. Dear God, thank you that you have victoriously overcome sin and death and any evil that we may face today. And because of you, we are overcomers too. We too can have victory and we can walk strong in your peace. Thank you, Lord, that you are producing in us great endurance through the hard places. You are building spiritual muscle. We press in close to your presence today and ask that no matter what obstacles we're facing as a church, we choose joy. Keep your words of truth planted firmly within us. Help us to keep focused on what is pure and right. Give us the power to be obedient to your word. In Jesus' name, amen.